Hey, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast, one of the many places that we love to declare Jesus. We see you and your life living a life of resilient faith for all of your days, and we believe that listening to this message is going to be part of strengthening your faith journey. Enjoy the message. Have you ever like lost something that you didn't even use or didn't even want, like it was taken from you, but then you were sad and you were upset that you lost it even though you didn't use it anyway? For example, some of you never eat candy bars anyway, but over the last 21 days, you've been like, I can't believe that I can't have a candy bar right now. I feel such a sense of loss in my life that I can't go and chew on my favorite nougaty, chocolate, caramel-filled, delicious, when you're like, I haven't had a candy bar in six months. I don't need a candy. It's like if you go back to your parents' house and you find out that they turned your bedroom into a workout room and then you feel all upset about it and you're like, you haven't lived there in four years anyway. There's nothing happening with that room anyhow, but somehow you feel like something has been taken from you. There was a mall here in town for a while. It was here for years and then they closed it down several years ago. And when they closed it down, you would have thought that people's appendages were removed from their bodies the way they were like, can you believe that there should? And so my favorite question during that season was to ask people, when was the last time you were there? When was the last time you bought something there? Oh, you, you're so upset. You must go there on a weekly basis. And people would be like, well... It was when I was 16, I went on my first date there, and I was like, oh, so you're not really losing, but sometimes we can feel like something has been taken from us, even though it's not being used in any way. I'd love for you to turn to the book of John with me. This is the gospel of John. It's John's writings and remembrances and recordances for us of the life of Jesus. And we're going to start in John chapter 15. If you followed along in the spiritual meal plan, you read this passage of scripture over the last week. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it reads like this. It says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers. And the branches that are gathered will be thrown into the fire and burned. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you by this My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So I lost something that I never used that I got really sad about. 
which is every year I tell myself, this is going to be my year. I'm going to learn how to golf this year. I've been saying it for about seven years now. I have still not learned to golf. I do have a pair of golf clubs that my grandmother gave me because she and my grandfather used to golf together, and I occasionally drag them out. But to say I know how to golf would be an incredible overstatement of the fact that I know how to carry golf clubs onto a green somewhere. But there was a driving range that was not far from the church here, just behind it, actually. And last summer, they closed that driving range down, and they tore that driving range down. And I was like, can you believe that they took this driving range from me that is so closely located to me? And so my dear husband did like I did with all of those people with the mall, and he said to me, when was the last time you went to that driving range? And I was like, I've been there. I know where it is. And they had to close it, and then they closed it, and then they tore it down. And then they started clearing all of the ground that was around it. And then they started digging into the dirt that was there and removing some of the dirt that was there so that they could build something that is going to house hundreds of people in its place. They took something that wasn't producing, that wasn't fruitful anymore, and they removed it in order to make room for more. I want to talk to us today about the idea that every fruitful vine he prunes. It says that every fruitful vine, he goes to it and he cuts it back so that it can produce more. That God is incredibly committed to the fruitfulness of your life. That he is incredibly committed to the idea that there is something on the inside of you that comes from him that should grow and should produce and should come with it the capacity to feed others and that there is something on the inside of you that he is committing to seeing it reaching its full potential and in order for that to happen he has to cut you back in order for that to happen he has to take his knife to the branch and he has to say there's some things in you that aren't producing anything at all anymore and anything in you that is not producing anything at all anymore anything that's attached to this branch that doesn't produce any fruit I remove that thing entirely and anything that's producing fruit I go and I prune it and I cut it back in order that I may see it produce fruit in the future, any way you look at it, cutting is coming. Any way, you cu- any way you cut it, cutting is coming. There is something about God's commitment to your future fruitfulness that makes him committed to continually pruning his people. There is something that happens in the cutting back that he says, I am committed to your fruitfulness. In this few verses that we read, the word fruit is repeated six times. 
Six times throughout these verses, he repeats the fruit, the fruit, the fruit. It's the fruit that I'm going after. It's the fruit that I want to see. It's your future fruit that I'm concerned about. It's tomorrow's fruit that I'm looking for. It's the fruit that I know that's in you. That's what I'm going after is the fruit that can be produced through your life. Anytime we see God repeating something over and over and over again in scripture, it's because he is trying to get a point across because he knows sometimes it takes us a minute to catch on to what it is that he's saying. And he's like, maybe if I say it six times over and over again, they will grasp what I'm saying. It's about your fruitfulness. I care about your fruitfulness. And he says, because I care about your fruitfulness, I need to prune you. I need to cut back in your life. And there are a couple of things that happen in pruning. When you prune a a, a branch, when you prune a plant, when you prune a tree that is fruitful, one of the first things that happens is you cut back the unhealthy spaces in that fruit and in that branch, and it allows them the energy to stop being diverted to the unhealthy places and allows greater amounts of energy to flow into the healthy places of the plant. I am asking you today, what are the unhealthy places of your life that are diverting energy from the fruitful places in your life? What are the things in your life that are taking up all of your mental capacity? What are the things in your life that are taking all of your energy bandwidth? What are the things in your life that are draining all of your financial potential? Because it's all going in that direction, but that thing is not producing any fruit in your life. That thing is just an energy suck in your life. That relationship is just taking out of your life life and it's not producing any future fruit in your life and God is saying it's time to cut it back the next thing that pruning does is that pruning creates the potential and creates the ability for new fruit to form for new fruit to form on the branch. When you cut away the spaces, it brings back and it multiplies in new forms and in new fruit and allows for freshness to come out. Some of us are so committed to yesterday's fruit and some of us are so committed to what we produced in another season that we won't let God cut away some things in our life and see what the new thing he's doing is. I know that that business was successful for you before, but is it fruitful for your future? God might be saying it's time to prune that thing back because I have future fruit that's available to you. I know that that job has been fruitful for you up to this point, It doesn't negate its past fruitfulness to acknowledge that it's no longer fruitful today and that it no longer has capacity to produce in my future. There are things in your life that have future fruit producing potential, but they will never reach that potential as long as the old thing is there sucking all of the energy in that direction. And God comes along and says, I need you to cut away some old things in your life so that I can make space 
space for the new thing that I'm doing in your life. I have a future thing for you that's greater than what you can imagine. And I have a future thing for you that's more than you could have ever dreamed of. And I have fruit for you that tastes like something you have never tasted before, but you're too attached to the last fruit that you produced. And you're too attached to the last way that you saw fruitfulness in your life. And so you're holding on to rotten fruit and rotten branches and rotting places of your life when God says, if you would just let me cut this thing back, I have new fruit for you. The third thing that pruning does is it causes the root system to dig deeper into the soil. When cutting happens on the branches, the roots dig deeper into the soil, which allow them to become more stable and prepare them to sustain greater levels of fruitfulness in their future. Some of us are not experiencing the fruitfulness that we desire for our lives, the fruitfulness that we feel on the inside of us, the fruitfulness that you can see in the vision God's given you from, our, from your life because you keep getting out from under the knife. And every time you get out from under the knife, it causes your roots to come up instead of go deep. And the rootedness that produces the fruitfulness that you desire will never be present in your life until you yield to his cutting and say, I'm going to let these roots grow so deep in the ground that they can handle heavy fruit, that they can handle grapes that hang heavy from the vine. I need a root that goes so deep that storms that come, I'm still going to produce fruit. I need roots that go so deep that winds that come, I'm still going to produce fruit. I need roots that are so deep that when the birds come and try and take it, I'm still going to produce fruit. I need roots that are so deep that come what may. I have fruitfulness in every single season of my life. There is a rootedness that comes from his pruning and a rootedness that comes from his cutting that can only be experienced when you yield to what is God removing from my life. God cares about your fruitfulness. And so it says he comes and he prunes every fruitful vine. What is God cutting from your life in this season? What is God removing from your heart in this season? What is God shifting from your sphere in this season? I have learned to pay attention to what God starts rearranging when I go into fasting and prayer because God is moving some things in your life and we have a tendency to hold on to what we have known because we haven't yet seen what we will know. And for some of us, God is trying to cut away things that we are holding onto. I believe God wants to cut that trauma out of your life. And I don't just mean heal it. Some of us, he's already healed us from the trauma. You've experienced a renewing of your inward person. 
You've reshaped your mind. You've accepted that you have been redeemed, but there's a part of us that still holds on to what it is to be traumatized, what it is to be a victim. And God says, I want to prune that thing all the way out of your life. You are no longer called victim. You are called child of God. You are no longer identifying with what you've come from. You're identifying with what you're going to. I need to prune this thing all the way out of you, but we love to hold on to what we've known. But God has a pattern and God has a habit of cutting us back and of cutting things back in order to produce greater fruitfulness in our future. Just ask Gideon about it. Gideon was a man in the Old Testament who God called out of hiding in a wine press and said, I'm going to choose you to go lead my people. Gideon goes out and he begins to gather an army because God told him he's going to go overtake the Midianites, which were their enemies. And 32,000 warriors show up. And Gideon's like, all right, we might be able to do this thing. And then God says, get up and tell them anybody who's afraid, go home. So Gideon's like, all right, that makes sense. Hey, anybody who's afraid, go home. 22,000 of them turn around and walk away. If I'm Gideon, I'm like, God, maybe we could have kept the afraid ones too, though. (laughs) Then God gives him this water test, and he says, hey, go down to the water with these 10,000. Observe the way they drink the water. The ones who drink it like this, send them home. The ones who drink it like that, keep them. Only 300 of them drink the water in the right way. Gideon has gone from 32,000 people to 300. God has been pruning and cutting and cutting back because he said, the only thing I want is the fruitful place in your life. And with those 300 men, Gideon goes forward and they overtake and they win against the Midianite army who had been opposing and oppressing their people. I am telling you, when you yield to God's cutting, because we actually don't ever see Gideon going, wait, 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 maybe, maybe you could just come back though. Maybe, hey, let's try the water thing again and let me just give you a heads up this time, okay? This is what I'm looking for. That's what I would want to, I'd be like, God, 9,700 people just walked away. We started with 32,000. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And that's what we do. We go, God, 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 God. Whoa, 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 God. Hold on, God. Can we just try again? I think if we try again, maybe we can get a different outcome. Hold on, hold on, hold on. If you, if you let me hold on to this for another year, maybe, maybe this time it'll be, God, let me just try this relationship again. This is the fourth time y'all been together. It's not going to work different this time. It's going to be the same cycle. God said let it go. God said, release it. God said, it's time to move forward. I have 
fruitfulness for you and I have a future for you and I have plans for you and I have people I want to touch through your life and I have generations that are coming through you and I have another group of people who's looking to you but you keep holding on to because you think your way is better and you think your plan is better and I think the plan I came up with makes more sense than the plan you came up with and God I've got really comfortable with that particular unfruitful branch in my life and God says it's time for you to release that thing I'm telling you whatever God is cutting out of your life release it whatever God is moving out of your life release it whatever God is shifting in your life release it whatever God is speaking to you about letting go let go of that thing whatever God is readjusting in you release that thing don't go chasing after unfruitful places in your life don't go chasing after what he's removing from your space don't go chasing after and clinging on to and holding on to the things that he is removing from God is doing something in your life and he is setting you up for a future sense of growth he is setting you up for a future hold on just the thing is your momentary feeling of loss is just a setup for your future capacity for growth Stop focusing on the loss and get your eyes fixed on the growth. Stop focusing on what I'm losing and get my eyes focused on what I'm gaining. Stop, get out of my feelings of God, but I liked that. And God, I liked seeing it. And God, I know what it's like when they come around. And God, we've been together for just get your eyes off of that and get your eyes on. God, where are you taking me then? God, what does tomorrow have in store for me then? God, what fruitfulness do you have for my life then? God, what are you setting? If you're cutting something out of my life, I've walked with you long enough to know that you're making room for something more in my life. You're making room for something next for me to step into. We have to get our eyes fixed, not on what we've lost, but on who he is. He starts out this chapter and he says, I am the true vine. It's the final I am statement of Jesus that John records in his gospel. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And part of what he's speaking to is that throughout the Old Testament scriptures, the people of Israel were often referred to as a vine, a vine that brings life and a vine that brings healing and a vine that brings restoration or in seasons when they weren't following God, a vine that was withered and a vine that was unhealthy. And Jesus is trying to say to them, it's no longer the ways that you've known and it's no longer the patterns that you've known and it's no longer the thing that you've come to trust in and that you've come to find your... I'm cutting that thing away from you. And I'm telling you, I am the true vine, he says. I am the true vine. And he says to them, when you focus on me, when you remain in me, when you abide with me, then you get your attention focused not on what's being cut away, but on what your source is. And instead, you begin to trust in his character. And the character of God is faithful. The character of God is faithful in every season 
He's faithful. And so I know that if you're cutting me, you're cutting me for a reason. And I've walked with you long enough that I know that you have this habit of letting things cut back and letting things shrink and letting things pull back a bit before you show up in your glory in the way that only you know how to do. Ask the disciples who were out on a boat in the middle of the night and they thought they were about to die because the storm was so big. They had a way of it pressed in on every fear that they had and they had a way of shrinking into that ship until Jesus showed up. Ask the little girl who everybody thought was dead. Jesus let her get all the way to the point that the servant came and said, don't worry about it anymore. She's already dead. And Jesus said, she's not dead, just wait till I show up. It looks like he's cutting back, and it looks like he's drawing back, but he's just a setup for your next season of fruitfulness. Ask Lazarus, who was so dead, they wrapped him up, and they put him in a tomb, and they rolled a stone in front of it. And Mary and Martha came to find Jesus, and they said, how could you? That's my paraphrase. You cut this all the way back. All the way, it looks like he cut it all the way back to Lazarus' death. It looks like loss, and it feels like loss, but it's a setup for a next season of fruitfulness. When Jesus says, I know that you think that you've lost something, but I'm setting you up to be a place where my glory is demonstrated in a way that you don't even know is possible. I'm setting you up for your name to be written in the scriptures and spoken of thousands of years from now. There is a fruitfulness that I, it feels like loss, but it's a setup for your fruitfulness. It's a setup for your next season of growth. It's a setup for where he's taking you. It might feel like loss right now, but I'm telling you it's a setup for your tomorrow. It's a setup for where he's taking you. Don't give in to the feeling of today's loss and miss out on the growth that he has for you and miss out on the next thing that he has for you. Pruning is evidence that he believes in your future capacity for fruitfulness. The fact that he prunes you is evidence that he believes that you have potential for more fruitfulness. Anyone who's done any kind of sport or any type of activity where you have a coach knows what this is like. You should not be concerned if you are the athlete who is constantly receiving criticism and feedback from your coach. Because the fact that they're willing to exert their energy constantly telling you, no, hold it like this, no, put that here, step back two steps before you do that, means that they see in you the potential for growth in the future. You should be concerned if no one is talking to you anymore, if no feedback is coming in your direction anymore, if you're never feeling his cutting, you should be concerned that perhaps you have detached yourself from the vine because when you are attached to him, fruitfulness is inevitable. And when fruitfulness is in your future, pruning is just part of the process. It's part of what God does because he's committed to your fruitfulness. So when Paul writes to the church in 1 Corinthians, he's writing to the church in 1 Corinthians because I think it's important that we understand where the responsibility for the layers comes. In 1 Corinthians, it's chapter 3, 
I think we're starting in verse 6. Yes. It says, this is Paul now talking. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the, gr- the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but it's only God who gives the growth. He, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Paul is aligning for them this idea that there is a planting, there is a watering, and there is a growth. And he says, I did some planting. We have responsibility for planting. He says, Apollos did some watering. We have responsibility for some watering. And God gave the growth. God gives the growth. We trust in God for the growth. We do watering. We do planting. And you know what planting and watering have in common? They involve something leaving my sphere of influence and being poured out into another place. It means I have to release whatever I'm holding on to. I have to let go of this thing. And I think so often we just hold on to the things that are in our sphere of influence and the things that are in our capacity to sow and the things that are in our capacity to water. We want to hold, what if this is the only seed I ever see? What if it never rains again and this is the last bucket of water I ever have and we hold on to it? But God says it's in the, whatever he's cutting from you, release that thing. Pour it out like a drink offering before him and say, God, if this thing has to go, then I'm pouring it out. God, if this seed has to be sown, God, I release every single bit of it because it's not when I hold on to it. It's when I release that thing that God causes the growth. The other thing we know about God is that he is always working with the future picture in mind, that he sees where he's leading you, and he sees where he's taking you, and he sees what your tomorrow holds in a way that we can never dream of and we can never imagine. And he's like, if I could just get you to release that thing that I'm trying to get you to let go of, if I could just get you to let go of that thing a little bit, then it's no wonder by the second time Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he tells them the point is this. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reach bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful 
giver. He's already taught them that one does the sowing and one does the watering. And the second time he writes them, he's saying to them, this is what I'm trying to say to you. When you release things from your life, you can release them in tiny measure. You can release them in reasonable portions, or you can pour out an abundant seed to be poured out. You can let go of big things in your life. You can let go of things that seem too big to manage and too big to wrap your mind around. You can release those things and sow greatly into your future. And to the measure that you pour out your seed is the measure that it will be returned back to you. Paul says, if you want to, if we connect this to what Jesus said in John, if you want to yield to the cutting just a little bit, then you will return in fruitfulness just a little bit. And if you want to pour out your seed in just a little bit, then it will return to you in just a little bit. And if you want to yield to the cutting and say, God, whatever is in my life, take all of it and uproot all of it. And every unfruitful, unhealthy, unproducing part of me, cut that away and take that away. Then that will produce greater fruitfulness in your future. And if you want to give in a way that God, that says, God, I trust you with exceedingly abundantly more than you did last year and more than you did the year before God. Every year, I want to step deeper into faithfulness and deeper into trust and deeper into a, a, a dependency on you and deeper levels of fruitfulness, whatever that is, then God, I trust you with it, believing in your character and trusting in your faithfulness and knowing that it is in the momentary feeling of loss that I am being set up for future growth and future fruitfulness. When we bring our declaration offering, it is a setup for your future potential for growth. It is a setup for what God has planned for your tomorrow. It is a seed that says, God, I'm experiencing a momentary feeling of loss to be set up for a future capacity for growth. God, you have something in my tomorrow that is greater than what I've experienced today, that is greater than the fruitfulness I've experienced so far. God, you have something in the future of our church that is greater than our yesterday, that is greater than what we've experienced. But I believe that the seeds that we sow in our declaration offerings today produce the fruitfulness of more lives saying yes to Jesus, of more people making their steps into water baptisms, of greater generations coming through our next-gen ministry and raising up as kingdom leaders. I believe that the seeds that we sow today create greater impact and influence for us and create fresh ideas for us. They are the seeds that produce the future places that we will live in. It feels like a releasing from you for today, but it is a setup for the future space of growth and of capacity and fruitfulness that you will live in and that someone else will walk in. 
Someone else who doesn't trust him yet. And someone else who doesn't know him yet. And someone else who's never sat at a table that has been prepared for them in the middle of their desert place is going to walk through these doors, is going to join on a stream, is going to turn on a podcast, is going to flip on a short somewhere, and is going to experience the life-transforming power of Jesus because of what we do today. Because of your seed today that is a setup for your future capacity for growth.